There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to the fifth installment of the Digital Freemason podcast for November 21st, 2005. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking you along on my journey through the world of short Masonic educational papers. Many of these papers have been presented in my lodge, King George Lodge Number 59, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. If you are a returning listener, thanks for your comments and feedback. I've enjoyed talking with you and all the Masonic and technical tips you've given me over the past four episodes. If you're a new listener, welcome, and I hope you will enjoy. My email box is always open, so if you have any other pieces of Masonic education which you think might be useful in this podcast, please feel free to email them to me, as well as if you have any ideas, thoughts, or feedback. My email address is podcast at kinggeorgelodge.com. I look forward to hearing from you as we journey through the digital library of Masonic education. Today's piece comes from Worshipful Brother Kenneth Tuckwood, who was a district chairman of Masonic Education for the United Grand Lodge of England in 2000 through 2003, and brings to light some of the colors of Freemasonry and their symbolism. He discusses the relevance and the colors in the Blue Lodge, Concordant Bodies, and their historical symbolism. So with no further ado, let's do a little Masonic learning. Colors have so large a place in the customs of the craft that inevitably the question arises, did ancient symbolism inspire the colors of masonry, or were they chosen and the symbolism then found to fit them? Many years ago, a writer who went deeply into the question came to the conclusion that the English Grand Lodge, in choosing the colors of its clothing, was guided mainly by the colors associated with the noble order of the garter and the bath. This idea is more or less confirmed by the late Henry Sadler, an authority universally respected, who said, Having looked at the matter from every conceivable point of view, I fail to think of anything more favorable as an explanation. We must conclude, therefore, that Freemasonry colors were no more derived from the ancient symbolism than were the colors of the liturgical vestments of the Christian Church derived from those of the Jewish priests. The first color we're going to talk about is blue. It has been suggested by Bernard Jones that the deep blue color that is, Oxford blue, was borrowed from the ribbon of the most noble order of the garter, when the garter was instituted by Edward III about 1348, and reconstituted in 1805 and 1831, it was late blue. However, after the ascension of George I in 1714, this light blue was changed to the present deep blue to distinguish the color of the order from that which the Stuarts in banishment of the continent had conferred on their adherents. Our constitution refers to this color as garter blue. The light blue of the private lodge clothing was deliberately chosen to contrast and mark the difference from the deep blue of the grand lodge clothing. It is referred to as azure blue. The cerulean blue, or as it in our constitution is called, a sky blue. Universally, blue denotes immortality, eternity, chastity, and fidelity. Pale or light blue in particular represents prudence and and goodness. In Freemasonry, blue is the emblem of the universal brotherhood and friendship, and instructs us that in the mind of a Mason, those virtues should be as extensive as the blue arch of heaven itself. Albert McKay confirmed this by adding that while not only is blue the color of the vault of heaven, which embraces and covers the globe, we are reminded that in the breast of every brother, brotherly love and friendship should be equally as extensive. 
Among the religious institutions of the ancient Jews, blue was the chief religious color. The high priest had a blue robe, as well as a blue ribbon for his breastplate, and blue for the plate of his mitre. One of the veils of the tabernacle was a blue color, which represented air. The Hebrew word used on those occasions to designate the color blue or purple blue was known as tekelet, and this word seems to have a singular reference to the symbolic character of the color, for it is derived from a root signifying perfection. McKay adds that it is well known that, among the ancients, that initiation into mysteries and perfection were synonymous terms. The appropriate color of the greatest of all systems of initiation may well be designated by a word, which also signifies perfection. It is said that in ancient days the most solemn oaths were sworn on blue altars. The Egyptians esteemed blue as a sacred color, and the body of Ammon, the principal god of their theology, was painted blue to imitate his perfect exalted and heavenly nature. The ancient Babylonians clothed their idols in blue, as we learn from the prophet Jeremiah. The Chinese, in their mystical philosophy, represented blue as the symbol of their deity, because, being as they, they say compounded of black and red, this color is a fit representation of the obscure and the brilliant, the male and the female, or the active and passive principles. The Hindus assert that their god, Vishnu, was representative of a celestial or sky blue, thus indicating that wisdom emanating from God was to be symbolized by this color. Among the Druids, blue represented truth. The use of this color has led to the three degrees of Freemasonry being called blue degrees, or blue masonry, those being conferred in a blue lodge. White, conventionally, whatever it is technically, it is a color. In the craft and throughout the world, it is a natural emblem of purity, truth, innocence, and hope. It is first met in Freemasonry in the white lambskin apron, which is the badge of innocence in the bond of friendship. It can also be symbolic of regeneration or resurrection. Biblical references in support of this are many. Violet and purple are closely related to blue. The Bible has many references to purple, which symbolize regal apparel and richness. The New Testament speaks of a seller of purple. The book of Numbers says, They shall spread a purple cloth on the altar. The Book of Judges refers to the purple raiments of the king of Midian. At the crucifixion of Christ, the soldiers of Pilate, as an act of derision, planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Universally, violet and purple are the emblems of regal grief and death. But in addition, violet conveys the idea of penitence, and the purple the ideas of royalty, justice, and temperance. In Freemasonry, but on a purely technical ground, Purple has been called the emblem of union, because of the union of blue and red that forms it. In Freemasonry, the one color crimson represents all the colors of red, crimson, and scarlet. Universally, red is the emblem of faith, fortitude, divine love, magnanimity, and in the suggestion of blood, martyrdom. The Bible refers to both scarlet and crimson as liturgical colors. In Freemasonry, scarlet is the emblem of high dignity for fervency and zeal, particularly in the royal arch. Green has always been regarded as a symbol of gladness and abundance, and has been directly associated with the ideas of resurrection and immortality, even of victory. In the Allied degrees, it is the symbol of the mortal resurrection of the candidate, teaching him that being dead to vice, he should hope to revive in virtue. 
It is employed as a symbol of immortality truth, which, like the bay tree, will ever flourish in immortal green. The idea of the unchanging immortality, of that which is divine and true, was always connected with the color green. Among the Egyptians, the god Fada, the active spirit, the creator and the regenerator of earth, the goddess Pash, the divine preserver, and Thoth, the instructor of men in the sacred doctrines of truth, were all painted in the hieroglyphic system with the green flesh. To them it was also a symbol of hope. Green was, with the Druids, a symbol of hope, and the virtue of hope with the Freemasons illustrates the hope of immortality. In all the ancient mysteries, this idea was carried out, and green symbolized the birth of the world, the moral creation of the initiate. If we apply this to the evergreen, the acacia is the emblematic symbol of the new creation of the body and a moral and physical resurrection. The Bible has a few references to it as a liturgical color. In the book of Esther, it mentions the green hangings in the king's palace, but uses green to indicate the product of a good earth, in the sense associated with plenty, the opposite of famine. Green has been adopted by a number of allied Masonic degrees, whose teachings are closely associated with the immortality of divine truth. In the ancient mysteries, green stood for the moral birth or rebirth of the initiate. The acacia, or Masonic evergreen, has been suggested as a symbol of moral life of rebirth, and also of immortality, and is so used in Masonic memorial services to the departed brethren, who has gone to the Grand Lodge above. The Grand Lodge of Scotland has adopted thistle green as its emblematic colour, and a green ribbon or collar was part of the regalia of the Country Steward's Lodge, originally number 540, which had a short life and was constituted in 1789 for the particular association of stewards charged with making arrangements for an annual festival that met outside London. Grand Lodge permitted the members to wear special jewels suspended from a green ribbon or collar, the colour having been chosen apparently because of its suggestion of, the, suggestion of the countryside. The members were also given the right to wear a green apron, a privilege that was withdrawn in about 1797 although that of wearing the green collar was still retained. Yellow, gold, and silver. Now, yellow is used in Freemasonry only as gold, the symbol of the sun and therefore a constancy, while silver represents the moon. Universally, yellow, yellow has been held to represent jealousy, incontinence, and treachery. But in heraldry, whereas in Masonry, yellow represents gold, its significance being entirely reversed. Different writers have different views about the color black. According to Albert McKay, black in the Masonic ritual is constantly the sign of grief. It is perfectly consistent with its use in the world, where, from remote antiquity, black has been adopted as the garment of mourning. In Freemasonry, this color is confined to but a few degrees, but everywhere it has a single meaning of sorrow. Thus, in the French rite, during a ceremony of raising in one of the degrees, the lodge is clothed in black strewed with the representation of tears as token of grief for the loss of a distinguished member of the fraternity. Coyle says that the common acceptance of black as a symbol of sorrow or mourning is not applied in craft ritualism, although popular regard for black crepe may be in evidence as Masonic symbols. He also makes reference to the use of the color in the French degrees and allied degrees of the Knights Templar and Scottish Rite. Bernard Jones goes a bit further in commenting on the allied degrees that black symbolizes not only the grief, but also the silence and secrecy. In heraldry, it is a different significance, that of prudence and wisdom, while gray symbolizes tribulation. There we have it, a quick trip across the Masonic Rainbow.
Thanks for listening to The Digital Freemason. I've been your host, Scott, and I've enjoyed our time together. If you would like a transcript of this podcast, please visit our website, www.kinggeorgelodge.com. If you have any comments or ideas for further podcasts, please feel free to email me at podcast at kinggeorgelodge.com. Until next week, take care and be sure to keep the shiny side up.